And Father, as we, as we now turn to your word to us, Father, I pray that you would continue to speak. You have, have already been uh, at work in very clear ways, moving our, our hearts, transforming our minds. And I, I pray as we, as we learn from your word now that you, you would speak. The Holy Spirit that inspired these, uh, these words is the same spirit that dwells in our hearts and dwells among us here. And so, Father, I pray that you would do a transforming work by that spirit to make us each more like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I'd like to ask for you to, uh, I always do this. Thank you, John. I'd like to ask for you to stand with me, and we're going to read Romans chapter 11. Starting at verse 33 and going through chapter 12, verse 3. So if you have your Bibles, please feel free to open them up. Romans 11, starting at verse 33, and I'm going to go through Romans 12, verse 3. So just a, a little bit of a context. Uh, Romans 9 through 11, Paul has been describing uh, the, the eternal plan of God's salvation to bring all people, Jew and Gentile alike, to come to the saving knowledge of God. It's a, it's a deep and rich three chapters. And, uh, and he gets to the end of it, and he just bursts out with this song of praise, this poem of praise to the God of our salvation. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Amen. Please, please be seated. So Paul gets to the end again of this description and explanation of God's great saving work through Jesus, and he, he bursts out in this poem of praise that ends with, for from him and through him and to him are all things. All things are from him and through him and to him. As I said last week, he is our source, he is our reason, and he is our goal. All things are from him and through him and to him. He is our source and he is our reason and he is our goal. And then after this poem of praise, Paul then tells us what worship is. He says, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's saving work in your life, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Uh, for our time this morning, there are a hundred different correct ways, maybe even infinite correct ways, of ways that we could define worship. But for this morning, I want us to think about worship in this way. Worship is an encounter with God where we come to know God and be known by God. Worship is an encounter with God where we come to know God and be known by God. Where we come to know his mercy in our life and where then we respond by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Worship is an encounter with God where we come to know God and be known by God. So through the next 12 weeks, we are spending time on Sunday mornings and in our small groups looking at God, who God has made us to be as a church. As I said last week, God has given every single local church uh, unique passions and unique gifts and unique qualities that reflect the beautiful and intimate and multifaceted wisdom of God. And our church leadership over the, the last year and a half has spent time discerning what those qualities are, these unique characteristics of Broadway Christian Church that help us to reflect the wisdom of God to the world and that help us to make disciples. And those four qualities that we uh, have discerned from God are steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. And we're going to spend three weeks diving into each of these four characteristics throughout this fall. And today we're going to begin with steadfast worship. If you took a look at the, the curriculum that we've, um, that we've offered for you as a small group, uh, you notice that under each of these four characteristics is a very brief description of, of what we mean by that. And the description under steadfast worship is this. We serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love draws us to steadfast worship. We serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love calls us to steadfast worship. And what I want you to notice first as we begin talking about worship today is that we believe that our steadfast worship, this unique quality of our church, that it's not because of our strength. It isn't because of who we are, but it's because of who God is. The characteristic of steadfast worship that God has instilled in us as a congregation is a response to the movement of God's steadfast love into each of our lives. There's a line in one of the songs that we sung earlier that says, In the absence of holiness, you are still God. We believe, and more importantly, we have experienced that when we fail, when we sin, when we fall, when there is an absence of holiness in our lives, that God continues in his steadfast love to pursue us. He loves you, we say here, just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He moves towards us, and he moves towards us, and he moves towards us, and he moves towards us with his steadfast love that does not change because of our sin, even though we may experience that love differently because of our sin. His steadfast love is like this consuming fire that, that purifies us. And that can be a painful experience when he calls us to confess our sin, to, to step into the light, to, when he lovingly shows us things about ourselves that we would rather ignore and rather not see. That is a, a painful experience of his love toward us. 
But his steadfast love is always pursuing us. In the absence of my holiness, he is still God. So this adjective steadfast that that we use to describe a characteristic of our church is an adjective that first describes the God that we worship and secondly describes a unique characteristic about us here at Broadway. We are a community that believes that we are called to steadfast worship and called not, not just as some sort of obligation or a requirement, but Broadway, we just enjoy worshiping God. That is a unique characteristic for us here. And when Katie and I uh, first came to visit Broadway, like uh, over six years ago now, when we went back to talk to our family and to our, to our friends about what we experienced and what we saw in this church, uh, the, the adjective that we described was responsive. There is an eagerness here at Broadway to hear from the Lord and to say yes to him to experience his goodness in our daily lives and to come here and to sing our hearts out to him because of what he's done. And there's this real sense of engagement and responsiveness in this congregation that is really a special thing here. And we certainly have a lot of room to grow in our understanding of what's happening here on Sunday mornings and what we're called to do here. I'm I'm sure we have much to learn, but over the years, our Sunday morning gatherings have have been very carefully to, uh, we've been very careful to avoid uh, meaningless and and, and rote activities that aren't engaging our hearts and minds. And at the same time, we've we've sought to avoid like spectacle and performance at the same time. And, And we've sought to always have this vertical, Uh, perspective here on Sunday mornings. And our worship leaders throughout the the history of our church have kept this vertical perspective for us here on Sunday mornings. And it's certainly one of the qualities in Luke that our search committee and our elders saw in him and that we are confident that he will lead us to in even deeper and wider ways is to keep our focus vertically when we come here on Sunday mornings so that on our daily lives, Monday through Saturday, we remain focused vertically. When we gather on Sunday mornings, we believe that our first and final goal must be to give glory and praise to our steadfast God who loves us with a steadfast love. So in addition to this vertical focus on Sunday mornings, uh, worship leaders and pastors throughout our church's history have consistently reminded us that worship is not limited to or even primarily about what happens here for an hour or two on Sunday mornings, but that worship is a whole life endeavor. It's something that we are called to do every single day. And I would argue that worship is not only something that we're called to do, but it's something that we're made to do. It's something that we've been created to do, and it's something that we are always doing, even if we don't know that we're doing it. We are always worshiping someone or something. If, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that Worship is offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. We are always offering our body to someone or to something. Our time, our energy, our resources, we are always giving ourselves to something. 
We were created to worship, and so I want to say we have no other choice but to worship. And if we are not worshiping God, who has been made known to us in Jesus Christ, then we're worshiping some other idol. The self, money, sex, power, politics, influence, whatever it may be, we are always worshiping something. And so we must be conscious and aware that we are offering our bodies to Jesus as a living sacrifice. So this morning, for the rest of our time, I want us to kind of have two separate mini-sermons. And the first is, is to help us think about worship, as I've described earlier, as an experience of encountering God, where in worship we come to know God, and where we come to know ourselves as known by God. And then second, I want to spend just a few minutes at the end talking about why we gather together on Sunday morning. So what... What is this all about that we do? You all woke up this morning and came here for some reason. And I I think most of us do that really without a whole lot of thinking. Sunday is just a part of our life. And we show up on Sundays because that's what we we do. Uh, But what is this about? What is this gathering all about? So two parts. First, to think about worship as an experience of encountering God, where we come to know God and come to know ourselves as known by God. And then secondly, to just talk a little bit about why we gather here on Sunday mornings together to worship. Worship is an encounter with God. And I think when we often think about worship, we, we think about it primarily as something that we do. And that's certainly a part of it. But I want us to think of worship primarily as an encounter with God. As a moment where we experience uniquely God's presence in our life. And that might sound like this big kind of uh, uh, burning bush type moment. We've got to encounter God, you know. But our encounters with God can be quiet and subtle and in the mundane things of our life. And, that, and it can happen anywhere and anytime if we're open to see it and receive it, right? So worship is something that we do. It is an expression of our own hearts and of our own minds to God as we declare to him what we think of him and as we express to him how much we love him. Uh, We worship when we sing praises to him. We we worship when we, we are praying to him. We worship when we're reading our Bibles or when we're hearing the word preached to us. We worship when we serve the poor or when we respond in our daily life in some way that honors him. We are, we are worshiping. It is, is something that we do. But I, I think somewhat ironically, when, when worship is reduced to only something that I do and that God is somehow kind of passively just receiving those expressions, then worship begins to come about... Uh, It becomes about us and about whether uh, a certain worship style is a way that I can express myself to God or whether or not that that preacher or that kind of music is a way that I can express myself to God. And and of course, music and particular styles, those things are all okay to consider, but what's most important to think about as worship is that worship is an encounter of the presence of God, where we come to know God and to be known by God. In our worship, God is not merely passive, receiving our praise, receiving our thanks, receiving our songs. He is active. He is at work in our worship, making himself known to us. 
And this is true both in our daily lives as well as in our gatherings here on Sunday morning. God is not passive in our worship. In fact, it is God who calls us to worship. And he reveals himself to us. He reveals his character to us as we worship. And so just as a few examples, as we give him praise through singing, which we love to do here at Broadway, right? He is here in those songs and in the the lyrics of those songs. He is moving towards us and he is teaching us about his character. He is shaping our hearts. He's shaping our affections for him. When we spend time, uh, most Sunday mornings, confessing our sin to God, it's not just something that we're doing to somehow make ourselves feel better. We are confessing our sin so that we can experience his merciful character that he wants to make known to you when we confess our sin. When we're honest and we're open in that that time of confession and we, we truly reveal to him things in our hearts that we know that we have done where we have gone astray from him, he wants to reveal to us his merciful character to us. When we hear God's word preached or when we read, God, read God's word devotionally on our own, he is at work teaching us his wisdom and his thoughts and his will for us in our lives and for the whole world. He is in those times active, renewing and transforming our minds and forming our souls. When we take communion, the Lord's Supper together, God is present reminding us of the great sacrifice that he made to make us one with one another and one with him. When you pause to give God thanks at dinner time this Wednesday evening with your kids, God is revealing himself to you and to your children in that moment as your provider and as your sustainer. When we worship God through our work day, he is reminding us that he is our creator and that he has provided us skills and gifts and abilities to use in order to bring him glory in our lives. In our worship, we encounter God and we come to know God. It's not as if God is simply passively receiving our worship. He is also active in moving towards us, making himself known to us. Do you understand that? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing where, where worship isn't just us throwing up these things to heaven and God is sitting there delighting in it, although that's true. He is also moving toward us, revealing himself to us as we worship. And I want to suggest to you that there is, um, that in worship we come to know God, and that there, there's actually something even more sweet and wonderful than that. There's actually something even more sweet and wonderful than knowing God, and that is learning that we are known by God. To learn that we are known by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that that great love chapter, Paul gets to the end of it. And he tells us what the end of all things are, what what we are moving toward in our life. And he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Broadway, do you know that you are known by your creator? He knows everything about you. 
He knows the parts about you that you've hid from others, that you've hid from yourself, and that you've tried to hide from him. He knows you, and he is moving toward you in his love. Romans 12, verse 3, as he's talking here about worship, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and according with the measure of faith God has given to you. In other words, God is teaching us in our worship to know ourselves, to think about ourselves with sober judgment. And sometimes we get a little nervous in church when we hear people talk about knowing ourselves because there's lots of weird stuff about their self-knowledge and self-understanding and self-insight and all that. That's not at all what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is that God in his mercy is revealing uh, revealing who we are so that we can know better how much he loves us. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And as we come to know ourselves better, it's as if we are are traveling up, up a mountain so that we can see God's mercy better. As I come to know the, the wickedness that's in here, as I come to see that better and better, I come to know God's mercy better and better. I get a better view of God's mercy in my life so that I can respond in worship to him. In Christian worship, we seek to know ourselves truly so that we can know and receive God's mercy In Christian worship, we get to be honest with ourselves and with God about who we are. He sees you and he knows you. He sees the real you, not the parts that you curate for yourself on Instagram and Facebook. He knows the real you. He knows the places of shame and of hurt. He knows the things you have done or have been done to you that you have hidden away. And God wants you to know those things so that you can know that he wants to meet you there in that place of your greatest shame and humiliation and to say to you, you are my son and you are my daughter and I have better for you. And I think that deep down, we don't believe that if we admitted who we really were, or if God saw us for who we really were, that God would really love us. And so we've been playing hide and seek with God ever since Genesis chapter 2. Ever since Genesis chapter 2, we've done wrong, and so we hide. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And the point there isn't that they didn't have any clothes on. (laughs) The point is that they were known They were seen. They were exposed to God. And even as they were naked, they were unashamed as they were in that relationship with God. And so in Christian worship, God is inviting us to be people who are naked and unashamed, people who are exposed to God, who are honest and vulnerable with God so that God can then do a true healing work in each one of us. And when we come to this place where we discover that we are known by God and loved by God, when we climb up this mountain of understanding who we are so that we can see God's mercy, there is no other response that we can have but worship that he would extend his mercy to us. 
Your pursuit of God is a pursuit to know him, and it's also a pursuit to know yourself. And here's a little tongue twister. (laughs) And to know that the self that you know is known and loved by God. To come to know who you are truly, and to know that God sees you truly, and to know that the self that you know is known and loved by God. God knows these things about us, and there's a spiritual journey that we must take where we experience intimacy with God, where we can be truly honest and vulnerable with Him so that we can truly experience His mercy in our life. So, worship is not only about our expressions of worship to God. Worship is about this intimate, powerful encounter with God. And so I want to ask you today, have, have you told your secrets to God? Have you told your secrets to God? Have you spoken with God about your place of greatest shame, your place of greatest humiliation? This is one of the most important steps that we can take to experience intimacy and true worship of God, is to let God in on what's happening right here so that we can encounter Him and worship Him truly. Being honest with ourselves and with God is is the pathway to having this view of God's mercy that Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 12. So worship is an encounter with God where we come to know God better and where we come to know ourselves as people who are known by God. Let's talk about Sunday mornings. What is happening here on Sunday mornings? Why Why do we come together? All of you this morning uh, could have stayed home and you could have like, listened to any kind of worship music that you wanted to. You could have set the playlist for yourself of your favorite worship songs. There are thousands of preachers out there that are better than me and more interesting to listen to than me. And you could sat there and you can listen whatever you want in whatever scripture verse you wanted to listen to today, whatever would really speak to your heart today. You could have chosen. Just type in Google, type in the name of your favorite pastor, type in the scripture verse, and you could probably listen to it. But all of you instead, instead of having this private moment at home on your couch with a nice hot cup of coffee where you're listening to your favorite music and listening to your favorite preacher, instead you chose to come here. Why? No, that's not true. It's very kind. You haven't listened to many sermons then. <laughs> Why? What is, what is this all about here on Sunday mornings? And boy, did I have a tough time thinking about what to talk about. There's so many things, and I've actually made a note to like have a future sermon series about what corporate worship, what the gathering on Sunday mornings is all about. But for our purposes today, as we think about following Jesus together, as we think about Romans chapter 12 and what it describes about worship, what I want to think about this Sunday is that coming together on Sunday morning is a time when God is at work reorienting our lives toward Him. Sunday morning is a time and a place where we come together and where God is at work reorienting our lives toward Him. 
Because in our life, day by day, and week by week, and year by year, we are constantly being shaped and formed by the pattern of this world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Our world offers all sorts of patterns. All sorts of visions for what our life should look like. Our world tells us what we should think is important. Our world offers us all sorts of distractions and entertainments that, that shape our hearts and that shape our souls and our minds in all sorts of ways that we are completely unaware of because we are being conformed to the pattern of this world as we live day by day and week by week in it. Our technology, for all the good and usefulness that it brings to us, it is shaping your mind and your heart in ways that you're unaware of. And so what I want to suggest to you today is that Sunday mornings, gathering together in worship once a week, is a way to reorient your life toward God. It marks a moment in your week that is dedicated, that is holy, that is set apart for coming together with other brothers and sisters who know that they're also in a world living in lives, uh, living in a world that's trying to force a pattern onto them. And we come together and we say no to all of that. And we say we are here together to conform our lives to the pattern of Christ and to reorient our lives in our community towards his pattern for us. And so this time is meant to reorient us to what is eternally important. Because our world every day is trying to make us forget what is eternally important. I want to come back to the end of Romans chapter 11. For from him and through him and to him are all things. God is our source and our reason and our goal. Our life comes from him. Our purpose comes from him. Our, our, our life is moving toward him. He is our source and our reason and our goal. In every single moment of our day, we are pulled in different directions. We are told that our source and our reason and our goal is our own personal happiness or our own pleasure or buying and selling or sexual fulfillment or whatever the world tries to tell us. And we come here together to remind ourselves and to remind one another that it is God who is our source and our reason and our goal. And so this, this time on Sunday mornings in our worship, in our daily life, it's a moment where we encounter God where we encounter God who is steadfast in his love toward us, who moves towards us over and over and over again. And, and I believe that God, what God wants us to hear in the next three weeks as we talk about worship and really on to the next 12 weeks is that, uh, that steadfast worship, in addition to being our response to God, our expression of love and adoration to God, which it most certainly is, is to remember that God is at work in your worship. He is moving towards you, shaping you, reorienting your life to make you more and more like Jesus. That our steadfast God, who never fails us, that his steadfast love is calling us at each moment Sunday mornings and in every moment of our day to respond to him with our steadfast worship. He's moving toward us. His love is moving toward us in that way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are 
a steadfast God who never fails us. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us, that you reveal your character to us through your word, through one another, through singing, uh, through our engagement with the poor, through works of kindness, that you are revealing your character and your work to us. And we thank you that you are making our own selves known to us, that we can see your mercy in our lives as we come to know ourselves better. And so, Father, I pray that each of us would encounter you in a very real way this week that would make us more and more like Christ, that would reorient our life toward you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.